Bronze and Modern Gods. It's a bonus episode. How are you, Rich? I'm doing good, Chad. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, the bonus episodes when we talk about viewer mail, we have a visit from Ali from Elite underscore Comics 11 with the Instagram Market Watch. But before we get started, why don't you follow us at Bronze and Modern Gods on Facebook and Instagram? If you like this video, show it, prove it, hit the <laughs> like button. If you really like it, prove it. You know, I'm just going to take your word for it. If you subscribe, then I really will believe you. And if you hit that notification bell, you'll never miss our smiling faces. Hey, it's Friday. That means it's live sale time, right? Right, right. We, we got we both have books that we're, we're looking forward to selling. If you are not following us on Instagram at Bronze Modern Gods, please do so today. In fact, why don't you do it right now? Pause. We'll wait. Okay. <laughs> I know you're that fast. A live sale tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, or if you live on the East Coast, I'll favor you. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Tons of books. We have a good time. It's not your typical live sale where it's just churn, churn, commerce, commerce. We have fun. You'll learn who Chicken Hand is if you do. <laughs> yes, and you'll hear the honky honky. You'll hear the <laughs> of the horn. So make sure you join us tonight. All right. First of all, before we get started with viewer mail, breaking news. If you haven't heard, Blackstone has bought CGC. What does this mean? Well, Blackstone is one of the world's largest investment firms, and they have acquired what is being referred to as a majority stake in the certified collectibles group, which, you know, includes CGC, the coin grading company, the card grading company, the movie poster grading company, you name it. What does this mean, Richard? What do you think? I think it means that uh, collectible comics have hit the big time. <laughs> That's the message I'm getting. Now, I did a little uh, Google foo before the show, and I've heard of Blackstone, not to be confused with Blackwater or Blackrock. I made a joke the last two weeks, remember, about how Blackrock is, I said Blackwater by mistake, I meant Blackrock, how Blackrock is buying housing everywhere and their plan is to become landlords for the nation pretty much and that's what's squeezing out the middle class in the housing market right it's so funny that now their uh competing company blackstone is kind of doing the same thing with cgc because i remember how we talked about the ghostwriter last week that sold for over a quarter of a million dollars who's buying these is Blackstone buying comics and are they, is this a conflict of interest? I'm making stuff up now, but gosh, my conspiracy wheels are turning. No, I think turning legitimately. I mean, I think that sale may have something to do with this acquisition in terms of positioning, but yeah, I, I, I predict we are going to see more of these big, big sales of 9.8s and other high grade books because people are going to be start bringing in the serious money. I'm not talking about, you know, you've been saving and saving for your your X-Men number 1 for the past 3 years and now you bought it. I'm talking about Lamborghini driving to the to pick up your comic book kind of money. So, well, yeah. we're we're seeing all the press like that Forbes article that I linked to last week mm -hmm. how people are moving into this space as investment space. Mm -hmm. Blackstone as a company, uh, as, as an equity firm or an investment firm, they kind of work on the philosophy of buy it, fix it, and sell it. That means they, they put their effort, their time, their resources to make a company profitable. Uh, they're obviously investing in CGC because they think it's broken. 
they think they can fix it, and then they think they can sell it. So, yeah, it's broken, right? Well, it is broken, but the question is, how do they know how to fix it? Are they going to fix it from a monetary standpoint? In other words, it's broken because it's not generating as much revenue as it could. So we will increase the, you know, how, how much we're charging fees or what have you charge new fees in order to bring it up to the revenue le level that they think it could sustain. Or do they f actually fix what's wrong with the company, which is the slow grading process, not enough, not enough graders in, in the pool, things like that. I, I mean, it could go either way. The current owners are staying yeah. for now. Uh, you know how takeovers work. You, you bring in your own people eventually. Uh, I, yeah, but I don't think they're going to be hurting because CGC was evaluated at a whopping $500 million. Yeah. And that's what really worries me because if you, at that valuation, they want to get, or they want to recoup on their investment. Yeah. And the easiest way to do that is to raise fees or start to charge new fees. And if that's the route they take to fix CGC, then we have problems. Let's let's take a look at what's going on now. People are sending tons of books in over and over again. They are being received, Sometimes. quote unquote. <laughs> Your credit card is being charged, and then they're sitting on them for months. That money is in their bank gaining interest over those months. Again, my conspiracy wheels are turning. I'm making stuff up. Does it make more sense to... Uh, sit on stuff and make more interest rather than turning it around. I don't think so. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but that's why we're seeing signing event after signing event after signing event. It's more money. It's a higher, uh, it's a higher basket for them, for the people, because not only are you paying the CGC fees, you're paying the witness fees and, and the signing fees. And, you know, while the, the signer is getting a cut, CGC is getting a cut too. So why would I care about grading dumb John Hughes's beautiful Fantastic Four 25 that I finally got back today uh, for X amount of dollars when I could concentrate my resources on grading all this signature series event stuff over here and make this much money. Right. And, and it shows an alternate source of revenue for the, you know, for the acquisition. Not only can we make money grading, we can make this extra money from all these signings that we've got going. And uh, I know I think it may have been a positioning move for that. Uh, another thing that struck me were some of the investors that are involved that are name checked in the press release. Rock Nation, Jay-Z's company, uh, Main Street Advisors. And so what this is, these are influencers. Mm -hmm. uh, these are like Elon Musk types, you know, the few, few tiers down, but still very rich people that are involved with the NBA, the music industry. So how long is it until instead of seeing dumb John Hughes's face holding up a Fantastic Four 25 till you see Jay-Z holding up a Fantastic Four number one mm. talking about this great company that he's invested in? I don't think it's going to be very long at all. Can, can you imagine that? This, the star power used to drive people to the comic collecting industry. And you got MCU doing it. Now you've got Jay-Z doing it. That's could be wild. Do you have all your major keys? If you don't, you may be too late already. Uh, I, I I have my major ones. I'm kind of glad I do. Uh, I'm not 
moving stuff. <laughs> I'm not moving. I was going to say another S word, but I, <laughs> I'm holding. I'm holding. Uh, you and I have talked several times um, since the uh, vaccine came around about a market correction. I don't think it's going to happen now. I think this is this is the way it is now. Yeah, given given the the strength of the economy uh, and this change, I don't really see a correction coming anytime soon. For key, right, let me specify that for for, for for other stuff. Yeah, for mm-hmm. crazy stuff like Venom twenty five, J. Scott Campbell covers or something like that. Yeah, there's going to be a correction. That's always, yeah, that's always cyclical. But just like you, you know, I I and we recommended this for the past. Uh, two years now have a list of your of your goal books the books that you plan on buying for the year and don't get distracted and fortunately for me and i know you too we've we managed to score our yearly goal books books early in uh, the year so i'm pretty comfortable with my collection there's some books i'm missing and books uh, that if, if they show up i will buy but for the most part for the pc mm-hmm. i'm in a good spot yeah, especially with your X-Men. <laughs> yeah. This absolutely legitimizes the uh, huge gains that we've been seeing in this space as collectibles, as they're taking hold as investments. It's not just a fun kid hobby. Yeah, I always make the joke like, oh, you put your kid through college with that. Oh, you'll buy that mansion in Bel Air with that Darkhawk number one. You might now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like bearer bonds, right? You know, it's a piece of paper that has a, has a value assigned to it. Um and just like bearer bonds, you can collect them, store them away, and they will accumulate in value. Those major keys are always going to accumulate value. Wall Street's involved now, in a sense. You know, uh, these are bonds. These this is a company that's uh, known for people investing in it and has, waiting to see growth. It may not be traditional stocks, in a sense, but it's along those lines. And I wonder what's going to happen with CGC marketing now. It's got it's got to go to the next level. Uh, who's being brought in? What's going to happen there? Are they going to look for uh, authentic voices within the space? We are volunteering to sell out hard. <laughs> I will wear a JC cap and <laughs> hold up my Fantastic Four number one. I, I will be the biggest sellout for you, CGC. <laughs> I just need a little bit of that $500 million, say 10%. It will be fine. This is coach. Yeah, I, I, I hope they, they actually take take it and fix what CGC is now and make it a, a benefit to the community as opposed to doing a cash grab and just making it make more money and ignoring the community. It, it's, it could go either way. I'm waiting to see more. Uh, I don't think we'll see much change in the next year or so while the existing management stays in place. They may bring on more graders in, in an effort to – to maximize money by bringing in mm-hmm. people to great books. I don't, I don't expect to see any radical changes until 2023 um, in terms of maybe new sources of revenue that they'll bring in. But uh, in the mint- meantime, yeah, grab any key that you want to have because your opportunities are dwindling. I heard your phone notification go off in the middle of that. And that's probably them right now already. So I'm very happy. Uh, will this mean the other end of things? Okay. Are other people worried about this? Other fans? Are they? Is there going to be a, more of a migration to CBCS, do you think? Uh, that's a very, very good question. Now, CBCS has its own demons to deal with, right? I mean, they were bought out by Beckett, and uh, which, is, which is a huge company. And they have weathered that change kind of in a rocky way. They had some really, really long turnaround times. 
and they had some potential quality issues. But I think they've turned that all around. I mean, the new slabs design that they have, and recently their turnaround times have been reasonable compared to CGC. Uh, so I think people will still uh, dip their toe in with, with uh, CBCS, but I think the the mindset for the for the community is C, CGC is their premier grading company, and that's not really going to change unless something significant happens. Uh, you you mentioned something that I want to circle back to, and that is you're gonna you don't think anything is going to be noticeable for at least the first year. I will say these things are not done in a vacuum. Uh, these investments aren't made without a lot of research, oh, yeah. without a lot of prior planning. Okay, when we do take over, what is our plan for the first 90 days even? Right. So we may see some stuff shift. I, I'm not sure. Um, it, what would be great, I saw some some just completely unfounded gossip online, but I'm going to grab onto it anyway. Some some more offices, regional offices, an L.A. office, okay. a New York office. Mm-hmm. I always joke about Sarasota. Yeah, it's over, guys. It's time to start moving to some big cities. I don't think uh, Jay-Z and the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be too jazzed about spending a week in Sarasota. Right. Now, I could see that. I mean, by, by, by no big changes, I mean changes to the way that it makes money. Yeah. Oh, Right. I, I think there'll be more signing events. Uh, how many signing events did we see this week? Oh my goodness, we were joking. We were joking about it. And then one, you made a joke, texted me about you know my books are still sitting there. I bet there'll be another signing event. Not five minutes after you sent me that text, that signing event email came out. Right. I was like, yeah, look who they're distracting the masses with today. And it's they are uh, listening. They are listening to us. Uh, we will sell out. We'll sell out hard. We'll we'll never criticize you again. 50 million. 50 million is our price. Done. Uh, <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, you know, we're just two fans BS in here. Join in. Let us know in the comments. Uh, are we on to something? Are we full of it? What are your theories? Let us know uh, right down below and we might read them next week. But that's the part of the show where we read viewer mail. You've got mail. Our first piece of viewer mail is from the best name in response to his question. Comic collecting on a budget on Instagram <laughs> writes, many collectors say you have to make the hobby pay for itself, including us. Great advice until you run low on comics to flip. I know a lot of collectors will get books slabbed just to sell, but with the long turnaround time with CGC, is that really a viable option right now? So I'm wondering if you guys have a certain strategy or strategies you use or would suggest to fund this great hobby. Thanks in advance and take care. Okay, multi-part answer. Mm-hmm. Number one, is CGC still an option for, for a flip? No. In fact, we're going to have a live sale tonight, <laughs> Friday, July 2nd, 5 p.m. Pacific, <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah. That's, that's how we do it. That's how Richard and I fund the hobby. Um, a lot of books I'm, I will be selling on Instagram are going to be raw. There are tons of books I would have had slabbed, you know, like late, late number GI Joes, lots of turtles books. I would normally have sent them in, in blocks of 30 or even 60 and waited two months. I, we don't have that luxury anymore. It's not two month wait, even fast track. No, 135 days. I think I last, I saw for, um, for, um, turnaround, the maximum turnaround time for, for a tier. That's half a year to wait for a book. That's just, that's just 
if you're trying to flip, that's just not a viable option. So in, in that time, Thor number five, first Black Winter could be a hot book, drop down to the bottom and come hot, become hot again. And, oh, yeah. It's totally happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, see, it, flipping now really just means either buying uh, slabs at a very, very reasonable price and making a markup on the slab, not making a significant amount of money, but making a markup on the slab or buying raw and hoping the books are, you know, have that surge, like some of the Loki books have, have a surge and be able to sell on, on the curve. Or buying raw and rehabilitating the books, which we'll get to in a later uh, piece of viewer mail. Mm -hmm. But I would also say nothing's stopping you uh, from getting your inventory back up. Flea markets, antique malls, estate sales, local estate sales. There are tons of books out there that are hot books, that are expensive books, that are still for the picking. Uh, like I said, those G.I. Joes, they're almost in every long box that I go through in some of the, you know, not as informed shops. And I grab them and, you know, two bucks a piece and I'm selling them for 30, 40 bucks. So there's lots of stuff like that still out there. There's still, yeah, there's still uh, sources out there. I also, my strategy is a more of a long-term strategy. I will buy books uh, before they are, uh, before they hit the popular uh, crowd. So if you see something that you think has potential and you could buy it at cover price, do buy a couple copies of it, you know, for three, three, three bucks for uh, a particular book to put in uh, a long box and wait three months. Uh, isn't really that onerous. But what you do is you accumulate a set of potential spec books. And as the market goes through its cycles, um, some of those books in that in that collection that you've accumulated for a small amount of money over a longer period of time, you're going to be able to make three, four, five, ten times sometimes your initial investment and be able to take that money and then turn it into uh, more books that you could buy. But there's also something you have to be careful of. There People, you want to you want to fund your fund the hobby, but to me, there's two parts of the hobby. There's the PC, uh, which are books you plan on keeping for a long, long time, and then there are you know the inventory books, the books you're going to flip or books you're going to hold until you want to sell. So make sure when you're when you are saving your money, you keep in mind those PC books because it's the the desire to reinvest the money to sell more books can be very enticing. But the ultimately what you want, the end goal, at least at least my end goal, is to have those those books that you want to keep forever and you're accumulating money for those goals. So keep those goals in mind. The last thing to put a button on this is uh, CGC. Am I submitting anything? The only things I'm submitting right now are things for my PC, like that Fantastic 425, stuff that I want slabbed that I want to display that I know I'm not going to sell or flip because then I know I'm comfortable if with it sitting there for a few months, I'm not really going to miss it when it arrives. It's here. It's not like I have a lot of money tied up in it that I have to get back. So, yeah, I've been, I've been slabbing X-Men yeah. um, because it's going to be at least two years before we see any, well, maybe not two years, probably before we see any MCU movement, you know, it's going to be the next phase. So there's time. There's a lot of time. I send them away. I've got four in there right now. Um, and eventually they'll come back and they'll either end up in, in uh, my long-term storage or I'll sell them in a live sale. Um, well, one thing I do want to to say, I know I said the last thing I said was going to be the last thing, but this will be the last thing for sure. 
you can't go wrong buying what you like. The reason why books like Shuri number two, uh, Ultimate Fallout four, number four, uh, Vengeance, First America, Chavez, things like that. The reason why those books, uh, Ms. Marvel's first appearance in Captain Marvel, the reason why those books are so expensive is because not a lot of people were reading those books. Mm -hmm. They were not heavily ordered. People who were buying them liked them. And, you know, someone who liked Shuri is like super happy they have Shuri number two now because it's now worth some serious coin and you can't go wrong. Like you see it on our underrated books all the time. Like that Supreme issue I happen to have with uh, Omni man from invincible. I bought Supreme cause I like Eric Larson. I like Supreme. So you, sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. You stick with what you like. Mm -hmm. You really can't go wrong. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Unless you like us one or, <laughs> or team America or something like that. Oh, All it takes is another Team America movie that's not puppets. Uh, it's actually based on Team America, and you'll be rich. All right, what's your first uh, piece of viewer mail, Rich? My first piece of viewer mail is from Paul D seventy seven. Um, just started a comic related Instagram account, and well, now I am following. Welcome. I'm based on, uh, in the UK, and, and can claim or and can I claim books in your claim sales, or is it US only? Thanks. Claim sale? You mean like the one that's happening tonight, July 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Bronze and Modern Grobs Instagram page? That one? That one, John. Um, and the reason I brought, the, I brought this up is because... You're a shameless plugger. Well, yes. Well, that and the fact that we do get uh, people from um, other countries who attend the claim sales. Uh, and it's because, you know, in, in Instagram is international and people come on and they're excited about buying books. And um, th it becomes a challenge because uh, the closest country to us is Canada. And to simply ship. Uh, oh, for you, for me, it's Mexico. OK, for you, it's Mexico. <laughs> for uh, for me. So it's it's twenty one dollars shipping to get, let's say, five raw books in a Gemini mailer to Canada. Um, and that's that's compared to eight dollars to do the same for in the U.S. So it makes it a challenge because if you buy, you know, two ten dollar books uh, and you want to ship to Canada, those books to Canada, you're going to pay more in shipping than the actual value of the books. So it's 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 definitely something. Well, what we typically do is we'll offer especially our uh, repeat buyers an opportunity to accumulate books yeah. so that, you know, we can end up with. We add a bunch of different sales together, and then we'll ship out the books, especially with slabs, because slabs can be very, very expensive to ship. Now, shipping to to England to to the UK is is a different story, and it is a it is a real challenge because of the custom forms that have to be filled out. But if you're willing to accept whatever the charge is that we have to pay, we never make money on shipping. Never make money on shipping. As a matter of fact, I lose money. I yeah. I charge eight bucks and it's eight fifty. I charge fifteen and it's fifteen fifty. Exactly. Yeah, we eat, we automatically eat that just to make it nice round numbers. But um, if you're willing to accept whatever the charge happens to be to get that book to you, uh, including insurance, because if I'm shipping international, I'm going to have to have the book insured because yeah. who knows what happens between here and uh, in London. So if you're willing to do that, then sure, we can set up an arrangement and we can do it. But just just realize. The, the shipping is going to be a major component of the of the, the, the whole cost of the book. 
And also, I'm very nervous about it because of the lack of really reliable tracking. There is tracking, but it's not the most reliable thing in the world, especially when you get caught in customs for a month, uh, especially during pandemic times and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'll do it, but I got to know you is my short answer. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 probably a good thing to say. Uh, it it definitely is something you need to establish a relationship, and that's not hard. Just show up to some of our live sales and participate. You know, uh, that goes a long way for us being able to feel comfortable with you and being able to go through the hassle. It really is an extra effort to do, and for some customers, I'm more than happy to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. Other customers, I need to build that trust and that relationship to to do it. Fair enough. Uh, the next one is from Sidekick Comics on Instagram. Question, if I wanted to start pressing my own books, what should I look for in a press and how much should I be prepared to pay for a decent one? Any recommendations would be appreciated. Well, Sidekick, look in the description. I'm going to have a link to my pressing video, our pressing video. It's got over 21,000 views. It's number one on Google when you type in comic book pressing. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> that doesn't answer the question of what kind of press everyone, including captain Mike, who is the pressing guru that I learned everything from recommends something on Amazon, which I'll have in the link here as well called the Tussie T U S Y. Mm -hmm. Richard, do you have a Tussie? Yes, I do. <laughs> I like that. accent there. Um, our friend DD comics fan forest has a Tussie. I am, don't have a Tussie. I have a seal. I have a seal One Sixty. I've had my SEAL 160 for 15 years. That thing is a tank. It's a workhorse. Mm -hmm. It gets the job done. It gets it done efficiently, evenly. There are, once you learn how, there are no problems. Uh, it takes a while, though, because the Tussie takes a while to warm up. <clears throat> Pressing moderns, you know, you don't get the advantage of having two aluminum plates like you do with the Tussie, where you can press one modern book in two hours and be done with it. For me, it takes four hours, two hours each side. So I'm comfortable with that. But if you don't have a seal because they're hard to find, they don't make them anymore. You, you know, you can't find them on eBay a lot of the times or even locally. They, they, they weigh like a tank, so they cost a billion dollars to ship. A Tussie is a good alternative. What's been your experience with the Tussie? I, I, I actually, the first press I bought, and I still have, so I have two presses, is a seal. Mm -hmm. And I got it by looking in um, Craigslist, looking at the ads in Craigslist, the, the, the seal is used by a lot of comic or uh, t-shirt pressing companies. And as those companies upgrade to digital solutions, because the one thing that my that the seals don't have, they're not digital, right. um, they will sell. I got my, my seal for uh, 200 bucks. It drove down to the place, picked it up, and it weighs a ton. <laughs> it really is a heavy thing. But you know what? It is super easy to press, uh, you know, copper age, uh, bronze age books, silver age books. Uh, it's, it's like John says, the temperature is very even. It's a lot larger than the Tussie that I have as well. I bought a Tussie because I wanted to press modern books. And I wanted, you know, if you only have one press, if there's something in the press, you can't do anything else. Right. So, so if you stagger it so that you have two different things in, you can take one out while the other one is still in, you know, doing its, its job. You can work uh, multiple books that way. So two is always good to have. But if you're starting off, definitely the Tussie is a very, very nice press. But 
I take a look at your local Craigslist and, and classifieds in the area. You may find a, a, a T-shirt press company going out of business or upgrading their equipment. Photographer, because it's used to seal, you know, laminate photographs as well. Right, right. There's, there's, there's a number of opportunities. Just search for seal. Go to go to Craigslist, then type seal, seal press, and and see what you come up with. Two hundred dollars is what I would probably pay for one, and it's well worth it. You'll make your money back. Oh yeah. Oh, very quickly. All right. Uh, you have one more piece of your mail. I do. This is from Jerry P. And this is in regards to our, you know, the conversation we've been having today. Some equity investor and doing his homework, talking about the person who bought the um, the first Ghost Rider. Oh, the Marvel Spotlight 5, 9.8. Correct. Uh, he's looking for tough 9.8s. Uh, like to believe people with this kind of money know what they're doing. So a combination of rarity, a hot market, and probably inside news about Ghost Rider. Uh, so, inside news just about Ghost Rider or inside news about other stuff? Could be other stuff. I, I think he was referencing Ghost Rider as terms of maybe him showing up in the MCU. Sure, but if you know something else is going to go down. Yes, definitely. The, the amount of money that they paid, I was looking this up uh, earlier. Uh, they paid uh, $260,000 for, uh, for that book. If you were to buy an uh, Amazing Fantasy 15 7.0, it was only be $180,000. So, uh, you know, it, this was some serious money for this book. But but the difference here is, while there are a number of of uh, AF-15s, there, I, there are very few of these 9.8, uh, you know, books. So it's four of them. Right. So if people are looking for rarity over um, – anything else this definitely has a, this is a great setup for this 9.8 and that black cover is unforgiving and the the, the odds of there being more 9.8 showing up here are, are, are pretty slim so those four may be the only 9.8s we see for the next four or five years and if in that time there is a ghostwriter appearance in the mcu that two hundred and sixty thousand dollars may pay for itself if you owned that 9.8 marvel spotlight Number five, white pager. Do you have the right to turn it into an NFT and sell it? Yeah, it's your it's your your property. You have the right to sell that NFTs of that particular instance of Marvel Spotlight Five, not Marvel Spotlight Five in general. But yeah. Marvel owns the character and the name Marvel, and you'd have to use it in the NFT. I'm curious. My my brain's gonna explode. They <laughs> They have uh, they have been selling NFTs of um, a uh, Hulk 181 9.8 for really yeah for two years now that's the first time I saw there's an app out there that sells different pieces of artwork and, and one of the things that NFTs for them and one of the things they started to sell was shares of uh, that that amazing uh, that the Hulk 181 and uh, so yeah that's I think that whole the whole NFT the whole the whole concept of selling shares of something is still in its early stages and there's a lot to shake out, um, but we'll see. Interesting. Well, speaking of lots of money flying around and big comic sales, it's time for our weekly check-in with Ali from elite underscore comics 11 with the Instagram market watch. Ta, 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 ta. <laughs> oh, we got to dance for this now. <laughs> Why not?
And here he is now, as always, every week, Ollie from Elite underscore Comics 11 on Instagram. What's going on, Ollie? Hey, what's up, guys? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Good to see you. You've got some uh, big dogs this week. Holy <laughs> moly. I'm adding it up in my head right now, and it is almost 50K, more than 50K. It was a that's, big week. It was that's respectful. Week. That's respectful. <laughs> <laughs> for three so, I, or I, should, I should say for three books, not for 50 books at $1,000 each. <laughs> right. Correct. Correct. Well, thanks for having me back. So uh, as, every, as most people know by now, so we're Elite Comics 11 on uh, Instagram, and we're the platform's premier consignment page. So every week we're selling lots and lots of key books on our page. Um, but this past week was pretty special. Uh, we had a lot of big, uh, big book sell. So I'm going to share a few of those um, with you guys. Um, so let's just start. So the first one on the list, Gobbly Gook number two. Where are my Turtles fans at? This <laughs> right here too. Uh, but this is special. It's an early Eastman and Laird uh, production. Eight point five white. This one had it was signed, sketched by Kevin Eastman. It has that. Turtles advertisement on the back. Uh, and and the thing about these gobbledygooks is, and you guys can talk about this more, I'm sure, but they're very commonly reproduced. So um, you, can I, say, you can say counterfeited. Counterfeited. Yeah. And so I, th I think it's the fact that these don't even get graded, at least at CGC, I think, unless Kevin Eastman or Peter uh, were, were to verify them. And, and this one was actually verified by... Kevin Eastman. So an awesome piece of Turtles history or Mirage history here. Yeah, these were hand produced by the two of them back when these these came out. So really yeah. easy to replicate. And people have been doing that over the years. So awesome that it's been uh, authenticated and in somebody's hands, I'm sure is a super fan. And they are hard to get. So somebody wanted this and I don't blame them because you get them when they pop up or you just no. don't get them. So this one sold for Basically twenty thousand uh, dollars. It was like a little, like nineteen thousand eight hundred and forty-four dollars, but twenty thousand dollars. That's amazing. Now, one interesting thing about this book uh, in issue one is that they tell a story of how they hand stapled them themselves, mm -hmm. and they were working on it. And I think to myself, okay, that took about you know for up to 500 copies, I think is what it was limited to. That took about mm, six hours. That's the best six hours they've ever spent in their lives <laughs> in terms of return on investment and time. <laughs> I, I wonder if at the time they even had an inkling of, of how things were going to progress. They were just handing them out um, and, you know, did not, I don't think anybody really gave them their due in terms of keeping them and maintaining them. That's another reason why these things are so valuable. Yeah. You've talked to him on your on your channel before. Yeah, and yeah. we've had Kevin. He's, I've had Kevin Heisman on uh, and, you know, I don't want to misstate what he said, but my memory is he basically uh, him and Peter just tried to come up with the most ridiculous thing to come up with. And <laughs> boom, we have the Ninja Turtles. Uh, and that first sketch was, was supposed to be a joke. So that, that famous Michelangelo sketch. Absolutely. It was all a parody of what was happening in comics in 1983, mm -hmm. 1984. The New Mutants, which was Teenage Mutants, uh, Ninjas from Ronin, Frank Miller, 
And the whole Daredevil thing that Frank Miller was doing, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Throw in the funny animals and you've got uh, a multi-billion dollar enterprise. Who could know that a little joke like that turns into a career? (laughs) So, make sure you just hang on to your jokes. I mean, you know they're going to pay off. What did you got next? All right. The second one, we're not not slowing up. We're going to get bigger. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number two in an 8.0 with white pages, another CGC here, 17,500. I mean, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan as well. And from experience, I will tell you, it is hard to get come across a nice-looking number two and number three, let alone one that looks like this. Um, amazing. Uh, so, to, so to speak. Uh, amazing. <laughs> this one was hard to watch uh go to anyone else except me but congratulations to the buyer on this one amazing spider-man was not a hit out of the gate no matter what people may uh revise it was bi-monthly at first uh issue two or just wholesaler orders distributor orders go down traditionally after an issue one issue three even more so so this book is hard in a grade above 7.0 or higher in fact gpa reflects that the last sale for an 8.0 for number two was over two years ago in march of 2019 no other copies have surfaced in that grade in two years uh and that went for uh six thousand uh 196 dollars a friggin steal now (laughs) (laughs) i would have just loved to seen seen this book in this quality you know like you say they're really really rare and high grade and just to see a high grade book from from this age is amazing. Yeah, but, and I mean, it's played with chipping as well. Like you, you might see like, these higher grades, but then there's the chipping issue, mm-hmm. and then of course there's that page quality issue we've seen. So here we have no chipping, and we have white pages. That is just something special. So I think it's a great deal. Whoever bought it, I hope they enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we'll keep getting bigger. So the last one, this one's definitely relevant right now. So Journey into Mystery 85, the first Loki in an 8.0 white pages as well. $22,000 is sold for on Elite Comics 11 this past week. Good timing for the seller. (laughs) Perfect example of how to do it. Buy and hold, wait for the trailer or for the series to drop. Hopefully it's good as Loki is. And then you say, oh, by the way, I have a copy of this. <laughs> Anyone interested? <laughs> well, well, these copy, this, a copy that looks like this doesn't grow on trees either. So if you really wanted something like this, unless you're very, very patient and you're going to get lucky down the road, I could understand why somebody wanted to make this their own. So, yeah, it definitely has a pop, uh, price, uh, sales wise, uh, the last sale was earlier this month, but it was for $18,100. So this one is on a trend upward. Uh, I think a person may have sold that GPA copy just a scooch too early. They could have had a few more in their pocket. Well, and I, I think this also highlights the fact that GPA doesn't track sales on uh, Instagram right. or other net network uh, uh, internet platforms. They track sales on um eBay and they track I believe Comic Link uh, sales uh, as well. Yeah, they leave out Comic Connect. I mean, there's there's also auction houses they leave mm-hmm. out. Right. So you know, th- while it is a good yardstick, I don't think people should be using GPA as the final value because things change so quickly and there's so many new venues to buy and sell books now uh, that aren't being tracked. 
And we're seeing the prices lag here from what shows up in GPA from, you know, the real world numbers that uh, Ali is reporting here. Hey, Richard, somebody should start a segment on their podcast about these sales on Instagram. <laughs> it's a great idea, John. Hey. <laughs> I, I will also say, like, um, you know, we're, we're accustomed to these what I would consider these three, I mean, these are hard to come by books. So we're accustomed to seeing, you know, especially when there's been a long time since the sale, we're accustomed to seeing books like this drop at a well-known auction house. And then we see like some huge sale come out of nowhere. Well, that kind of thing happens every day on Instagram. I mean, yeah. you know, so that's another thing. It's just, it's just a sign of the times. I mean, this is another venue and when books like these pop up, people step up and they want to make them there. So that's that's mm -hmm. what we're seeing. It's just a new avenue to do that. So. And it's, it's exciting, too, as, as other places like eBay become more difficult for buyers and sellers to really navigate. You know, Instagram is a great platform that that is managed by the by the, the community. You know, it's policed by the community. And I think that's that's a, a great change from what eBay is. Yeah, except for some slab stuff, I've completely given up on buying from eBay. I'm tired of getting a book delivered to me in a manila envelope uh, with maybe some saran wrap around the book if they really felt generous and having it jammed in my mailbox. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. Yeah. All right, Ali, thank you so much for joining us uh, again. A lot of people in the comments are saying how they're joining Instagram now. They haven't, you know, realized this is going on. So we're, we're getting the word out. Tell people where they can find you specifically. Yeah, you got a book to sell or you want to just see some awesome books up for sale. Go to at elite underscore comics 11 on Instagram. We're happy to help. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. See you guys. Hey, all right. Thank you, Ali. That's going to do it for us this week. No underrated book this week because we couldn't get a guest in time, but we will make it up for you in the next few weeks with some stellar names. You won't believe who's going to come on in the next few weeks. Trust us. You'll love it. And if you're not following us on Facebook and Instagram, why not do so? Bronze and Modern Gods. In fact, you better follow us on Instagram tonight because I don't know if you heard, we're having a live sale tonight, July 2nd, 8 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Join us then. Richard, you have a great weekend.